Hello, my name is Eva, and today we are going to explore the devastating consequences of an earthquake in ancient Greece, which according to the ancient historians Plutarch and Thucydides, led to the First Peloponnesian War, a conflict which lasted more than 20 years and was fought between the Greek city-states, Athens and Sparta and their allies. Sparta was located on the southeastern area of the Peloponnesian Peninsula. The city-states spread out across a mountain chain, the Hellenic Arc, which was predisposed to seismic activity and is indeed still predisposed to seismic disruption today. Now, I won't recount the whole history of Sparta. I will only say that by 500 BCE, Sparta was a state of around 30,000 citizens and had gained a reputation as the preeminent military force on land. Sparta had played a deciding role in the Greco-Persian Wars, which ended in 449 BCE, and their most famous battle was the Battle of Thermopylae, a part of which I covered in a previous podcast episode called The Spartans Who Survived the Battle of Thermopylae. Sparta had been in an uneasy alliance with Athens during the Greco-Persian Wars, and as this conflict ended victoriously for the Greeks, the Greek city-states settled down to a time of peace. But just as the fighting ceased, the friction between Sparta and Athens rose. It had always been there, with the two city-states forever fighting for dominance in Greece. And latterly, Athens had begun to conduct themselves more as an empire than a city-state, demanding tribute from others and spending said tribute on buildings in Athens, instead of keeping a treasury to be used in defence against external threats, as was the agreement in the Greek world. Sparta especially resisted Athens's attempt at dominance. Through the years from 1450 to 1464, ever more pointed insults were hurled at the Athenians, while Athenians responded with provocations, and by 464, veiled threats of violence were always included in the hostile exchanges between Sparta and Athens. This was the political context for Sparta as its citizens arose to a seemingly ordinary morning in the month of June in the year 464 BCE. The ancient historian Plutarch, who lived more than 400 years after the event, only gave us the year 464 but later seismologists have calculated that the earthquake probably occurred in the summer months. Plutarch wrote that the young men of Sparta had barely started their daily exercises when the earth rumbled beneath their feet. Those who then sought shelter inside their training hall quickly died as the roof came tumbling down on them. 
Thucydides, a contemporary historian to the earthquake, recounted how houses collapsed from their foundations and thousands upon thousands perished. We do not know how many thousands perished. It might have been anywhere from 10 to 20,000 people. The Spartans were in general not focused on leaving behind written historical accounts and did not record the number of their citizens. Spartans relied much more on oral tradition and one can only wonder how much of their oral history was lost in the earthquake as their oral historians must have perished alongside their fellow citizens. One account which did survive from the earthquake was the story that it was the Spartan king himself who led and guided the survivors to safety. At the onset of the quake, people scattered hither and yon, and many ran back into their homes to gather their valuables. Seeing this, the king blew the horn of war. This was significant, for in the highly militarized state that was Sparta, in which obedience was not just encouraged but absolutely expected, it was drilled into every child, every adult, that at the blowing of the horn they were to gather together and seek out the king. The citizens ran as one to their king, who then led them away from the epicenter of the earthquake, and they walked for hours until they found relative safety in the mountains surrounding the flat plains. Huddled together, perhaps still fearing the aftershocks of the earthquake, the king vowed to commence the reconstruction of Sparta already on the morrow. But the rebuilding of this once proud city would not start for many years. Because while the Spartans had helped each other away from the earthquake, they had spared no thought for the helots who lived in the barren, stony landscape around the Spartan territory. Helots were an ancient people who populated the same part of the Peloponnesian Peninsula as the Spartans. By 464 BCE, the Helots had for centuries been subjugated by Sparta, with large swaths of its population enslaved by the Spartan state. It was said that there were seven Helots for every Spartan, and every four years the Spartans declared war on the Helots in order to keep the Helot population down and they succeeded, possessing a far better equipped and far better trained army. But now, as the Spartans slept under the stars in the mountains, their city lying in ruins, the helots revolted. Though ill-trained and equipped with only rudimentary weapons, the helots greatly outnumbered the Spartans and they were driven by centuries-long frustration and rage directed at the now-depleted Spartans. There was a very real threat that they might decimate the Spartans. And in desperation, the king of Sparta called out for aid from the other city-states. Now, even to their allies, Sparta was a difficult friend and a sore headache to their enemies. But the other city-states, who too had an enslaved population living amongst them, 
were in no way interested in a successful slave revolt, which might even spread to their own neck of the woods. So, in haste, city-states assembled groups of soldiers who were sent off to Sparta to combat the Helots side by side with the Spartans. Athens, too, heeded the call and sent a contingent of 4,000 hoplites to Sparta. But as the 4,000 well-armed, battle-ready men neared the Spartan plains, the Spartan king hesitated. Why had Athens sent so many, all of them young, eager soldiers? Why? Athens was not generous, the king thought, at least never to us Spartans. Could it be that Athens, instead of coming to our aid, instead intends to side with the helots and destroy Spartan way of life? The suspicion grew and grew until it was decided by the king and his advisers to turn away the 4,000 Athenians before they ever entered Spartan territory. All other soldiers from across Greece were welcomed, but the Athenians were sent packing. The Athenians took this as a grave insult, for they had abided by the ancient custom of coming to a brother's aid, yet now they were treated as assassins. All the ancient historians, from Thucydides to Plutarch, agreed that this decision by the Spartans was the point of no return in the increasingly frosty relationship between the two most powerful city-states of the time. The Spartans were especially distrustful of the Athenians because Athenian soldiers fought with a little more enterprise than the Spartans and could therefore disrupt the strict obedience instilled in Spartan soldiers. But mostly, the Spartan oligarchs feared the bug of Athenian democracy. Sparta thought that they had averted the coup, while in Athens, the voices that warned that it was no longer Persia, but Sparta that was the primary enemy, grew ever louder. The Helot revolt was put down brutally. Those helots who survived and managed to flee were given sanctuary by Athens, who settled the helots on the important Corinthian Gulf that the helots then guarded against Sparta's allies. For these helots, at least, the earthquake ultimately led to a life lived under much freer circumstances than their century-long existence as subjugated neighbours of Sparta. Unsurprisingly, the movement of the helots to outside the Spartan sphere of influence absolutely infuriated the Spartans, and the relationship between Athens and Sparta went from frosty to deadly and would see its first bloody outlet in the Battle of Tanagra in 457, which resulted in a Spartan victory, which preceded years of fighting, which pitched the Greek world against each other in what would then be known as the First Peloponnesian War. 
which was concluded as Sparta and Athens signed the 30-year treaty in 445 BCE, which was meant to prevent further battles. The treaty, signed at the peak of Athens's power, only held until 431, when the Second Peloponnesian War broke out. And this war saw Sparta victorious. It led to a Spartan hegemony and the decline of the Athenian Golden Age, with Athens losing its dominance, which it would never again recover. Historians agree that regardless of the earthquake, the tension between Sparta and Athens would have spilled over into battle at some point. However, the insult to Athens in sending away their troops who had come to help the Spartans hastened the path to war. The Spartans, because of their experience of the devastation of the earthquake, became even more focused on defence, and those outside their own tightly knit group of allies were regarded as enemies. It was a them-against-us mentality in the midst of a very concrete catastrophe. The earthquake was a signal from the gods of what would happen if they did not defend themselves from their earthly enemies. However you might regard history and look at historical events, it is worth remembering that just as humans make decisions that direct, forward or impact the course of history, we as humans are frequently at the mercy of forces of nature that sweep us up in storms which not only direct, but in some cases absolutely destroy the history we are living through and send it in a completely different direction. And with these words, I end the episode of the day. Please leave a like wherever you get your podcast, as it really helps with the podcast algorithms. Until next time, I have been Eva, and thanks so much for listening.